welcome to Art Waves, a podcast about arts and culture in small rural towns. My name is Marion Myers, and I'm curious to learn more about the arts and the impact they have on my small town of Port Perry in the rural township of Skugog, Ontario, in the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of Skugog Island. I've discovered a wide variety of passionate people creating, coaching, and connecting in my community. And today we're talking to Shannon Kelly, who is the recreational and cultural coordinator for the Township of Skugog. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you very much. Great to have you with us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Good. So tell us about Skugog Shores Museum. That's one of the um, programs and properties that's under your jurisdiction as a township employee. So what goes on there? What's it about? Well, a little bit of history first, I guess, about the museum was that it was established in 1969 uh, by the Lake Skugog Historical Society at that point. And really their mission was to sort of gather artifacts from across the township to tell the history of the township and going back to, to pre sort of settlement days as well. Um, the collection has developed over the years with donations from uh, all different people in the community. And the village itself is a collection of 11 buildings. Um, we have the blacksmith shop, uh, the schoolhouse, the church, uh, the print shop. Uh, there's a couple other sort of uh, just barns and things to display the collection. And we also have our Ojibwe Heritage Interpretive Lands, which tells the history of the area prior to settlement as well. And quite a large collection of First Nations artifacts too. We do a ton of stuff at the museum, really like our mandate is to sort of preserve that collection for future generations to tell that story. Uh, we do that through events, programs, uh, children's camps, sort of whatever we can do to bring people to the village site to be able to tell the story, the unique story really of Skugog, which is uh, really quite interesting. And where do the buildings come from? It's a variety. So the head school and head church um, are original to the site, so they are uh, designated properties, uh, part of our Heritage Skugog designation. Uh, there's a cemetery associated with the church as well, so it's obviously in the original location. Um, the Lee House was originally from Green Bank, as the beef ring was also moved from Green Bank too. The log cabin actually came from a property near Janetville. Um, our print shop is actually a summer kitchen from a property on Skugog Island, farther north up the island. And the barn came from Green Bank, and a few of the other buildings were custom built on site, um, generally using reclaimed materials from the area. Old buildings that were being demolished, they would use them to rebuild, um, just to have some place to display the artifacts. Yeah. And so, has the collection changed over the years, or the policy changed? Um, we've we've updated over the years. So generally with small community museums, you want to tell the, the history of the township of Skugog. Um, originally when I started in 2003, um, our collection mandate was up to about 1920. So we sort of, it's nice to have sort of a narrow collection mandate just so that you don't have to take everything and anything because you do run out of storage room. That's a problem that all small museums have. Um, in the last few years, we have updated that to 1960. So our sort of mandate is to collect items that reflect the history of Skugog up until 1960 and that we know the provenance of as well that we have that history because we don't have the history of the artifact you just it really doesn't tell the story that you wanted to tell um, it's a diverse collection you know we have everything from various artwork pieces 
uh, tons of textiles, uh, ar archival documents, um, so 3D stuff, all the archives, photographs, tons of photographs as well. And it really was sort of acquired from donations, uh, people going to auction sales and things as well. Um, and now we just sort of rely on donations. We occasionally purchase pieces, but mainly donations from the public. And how, what was the transition from it being the historical society that ran it, all volunteers, to now it being the township? What? Uh, it was a gradual transition. Uh, when I started, it was the historical society with the township providing a grant to the um, historical society to run the museum. And the property's owned by the township. The property it? was always owned by the township, I do believe. I'm not exactly sure of the historical. There was something to do with the Durham uh, Board of Education as well because of the school. The school oh, okay. was uh, operational up until I think about 1968, 1969 when the Historical Society took over and sort of turned it into a small museum at that point. Uh, the transition to the township was a gradual thing that a lot of smaller museums have gone through because of insurance issues. You know, the Historical Society found it difficult to carry the insurance that they had to um, to maintain the property. So it was a gradual transition of the buildings and the collection being transferred from the Historical Society to the township. I might have mixed up some of that stuff there as to the sort of logistics of it, but yeah. So now the Historical Society is a great supporter of the museum, um, volunteer for a ton of things for us, raise money for us. Um, quite often are at our Pioneer Day doing the heritage demonstrations, so they're more of a partner now as opposed to run running the museum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you said all this history of of Skugog's quite interesting. So, what are some of the things you found interesting? Um, the steamboats. I mean, I did not. I'm not from the area. I'm from down in Niagara. So I honestly, when I've heard about a museum on the island, I thought it was a seasonal museum that you had to take a boat across to. I didn't realize there was a causeway. Um, and just the history of the steamships in this area was really, you know, contributed to the development of the area is extremely interesting. The railroad um, coming right down into port and connecting us to Whitby as well. Very, very interesting. I love the natural history. I love uh, the development of the, the, the marsh lands and uh, the natural history that goes along with that, as well as the First Nations history that we're very, very lucky to have here as well. So there's a kind of everything that we've developed at the museum is around those four sort of areas there as well. Yeah. And yeah. you're, so one of your neighbors over on the island, on Skugog Island, are the Mississaugas of Skugog Island First Nations. So how does that relationship work? How do you, how have you been able to develop that? Uh, it's developed over the years. So prior to, um, I think it was 1998-ish, um, a partnership was developed between the museum board at the time and the Mississaugas to develop the Ojibwe Heritage Interpretive Lands. Um, and what that was was sort of representing the pre-settlement flora and fauna of the area. Um, so there was different zones that were created. We have, you know, a sort of meadows area, a marsh area, forest area, uh, sort of kind of combining the areas with all the, the indigenous plants that would have been here prior to settlement. Um, we built a wigwam there, which is the tr traditional home of the Ojibwe, um, and use that as sort of a showcase for our First Nations artifacts as well. That entire exhibit, it changes constantly because it is alive with the plants and trees and that sort of thing. Um, that was developed in partnership with the Mississaugas, and they continue to consult with us over the years as we develop and change that exhibit. We are also lucky to partner with them with the exhibit that we had at the Heritage Center um, for a while, which was a, a First Nations-based exhibit as well, focusing specifically on the Mississaugas as well, um, and they were part of that committee. So the, you know, the relationship 
has developed over the years, changed over the years, but we've always had a very close connection um, with them. Yeah. And how do you tell the story of the impact of colonization on the Mississaugas? We really uh, use the Ojibwe lands to tell the story and our artifacts. Like a lot of the artifacts that we have are cultural items like the baskets, um, which can tell a story right from how they use the wood, the white ash that they would harvest to create the baskets. The wigwam uh, tells a story of the birch bark and how important that was to their entire existence. We talk a lot about the traditional um, life of the Mississaugas in the area prior to settlement. Um, we don't speak too much to sort of now because I feel that they, the Mississaugas can tell their own story now and do a very good job of it, so we don't do that. Um, but we focus with our school programs really on the relationship between the First Nations and the settlers um, prior to settlement and then the changes that happened there as well because of settlement too. Yeah, it's using the grade six curriculum the grade program. Grade six, yeah, and... the grade five sixes are the ones that come in and we do the, the we have a First Nations program specific for them. So it, the kids love it, yeah. yeah. And you do lots of fun things at the museum. So tell us some of the fun things. Well, over the years, we've held so many different events. Um, we do just kind of things that aren't even related to the museum necessarily, but we use the museum as the grounds to offer these events. Things like the murder mystery. We have a wonderful volunteer, Sandra Carrier, who does the murder mystery every year um, and uses all the historic buildings and artifacts and that to tell you know a scary story that we present to the guests. We do a lot of uh, school programs, like I mentioned already. We do some camps. Um, we do our own historic camps where we tell the kids the history and they work on different crafts and make historic toys and games. Uh, we do some partnership camps out there. We do the theater camp out there as well and use the grounds for that. Uh, we do people just adult workshops as well, art workshops. Um, it's just it's a gorgeous setting out there. It's a wonderful asset to the community to have this huge natural area. The village is just kind of one little area and uh, it really just works out nice to have it as a site for lots of different things. Yeah. And we, we're, you and I talking about this, that it's always oh, on an island and you're, <laughs> you're, you're kind of misunderstanding of, well, an, yeah, it's an island, but it doesn't feel like it when you drive no, there because of the, the causeway. And it's literally how far from Port Perry? It takes about three minutes, I think, to get from <laughs> yeah. vases on one side of the causeway to the village. People, yeah, from, the, from the main grocery store right. to across yes. the causeway. It's not far. And we had talked earlier about as well. Some people thinking they can walk to it. That that doesn't work because the causeway is a little bit busy um, to get across. But it truly is just a couple minutes outside Port Perry. Um, I do notice that when people talk about driving to the island, they act like it's another world. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. And you know, the island is kind of... It might be it on a Friday unique. afternoon. That's a bit true. Longer it is a drive, unique but... space there. The island, it's gorgeous. And it does have its sort of own community feel out there for sure. I know the people who live on the island definitely have you know, a different way of looking at it, but it really, it's not far. Yeah. I drive back and forth a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so describe Canoe the Nonquan and the history of that um, program, because that's one of your big, well, it, it's kind of multi-leveled, isn't it? It's a, it's a yeah. fundraiser, um, but, you know, what's that all about? So it's really, I guess, if we had a flagship event, I would say Canoe the Nonquan is our flagship event. And it was actually created the same year that the museum was established in 1969 by the Historical Society, specifically as a fundraiser to raise money for the museum at that time. Um, it's continued every single year, um, except for 2020 and 2021 due to COVID. Um, so it's actually the longest running race in Ontario. Um, and one of the sort of 
best established races as well. Uh, it's sanctioned by the Ontario Marathon Canoe and Kayaking Racing Association. There's an acronym right. in there There's somewhere. OMCRA. <laughs> OMCRA is the sanctioning uh, body. Um, so they've done a great job with helping us develop the race over the years and supporting the event as well. Uh, it is a competitive event. There are competitive racing categories. So we get people who are hardcore paddlers out there trying to improve upon their time um, every year. But then we've also really focused on the last several years, expanding it more to a recreational event as well to encourage families in the area to get out on the river. So it starts at, uh, currently it starts at line 12. There's a bridge on line 12 uh, where they can enter the water there. It's about eight kilometers on the river, which is the Nanquan River. Um, sometimes you have to go over a beaver dam or two, but usually it's it's not too bad. Or and around then, a beaver or dam. Or around beaver and... dam. Or, yeah. <laughs> I usually push over the beaver dam to get through. But um, And then people can exit at the end of the river if they so choose, or they can continue about another seven kilometers along the lake. So you're coming south down Lake Scugog and then finishing at the pier at Palmer Park. So there's the choice between the full course or the river only course. People kayak. People have done stand up paddleboard with their dog the entire course. <laughs> um, and it, again, it is the reason for being is it's a fundraiser. So we have a registration fee for each um, entry. And, and you've then, gone quite digital this year where people absolutely have to pre. We're pre trying. Look. It's a little bit hard because people always want to see what the weather's like before they commit. That's always been the problem with the Can You Race. You know, we've had anywhere from. 20 paddlers over the years to 125 uh, like boats, like vessels. Um, so yes, we have made registration online this year so that if people you know, are able to register ahead of time, they can. They still have to come down to the Latcham Center, which operates as our race headquarters down at the water, um, to fill out all the forms and pick up their number um, as well. And then they go up to the start line their own time and, and do the race. We keep track of all the times and have a running sort of uh, spreadsheet i guess you would call it uh, at the race headquarters people come in and check their time and then we do awards for the first second and third place for all the categories so it's it's really fun it's my favorite event it's actually when i started working at the museum i was one of the first events that i worked but i didn't have to organize it that year so i actually got to paddle it that year and that was my favorite year <laughs> i'd yeah. rather i'd rather be paddling the race it's fun to run because you see the same people every year but it really is it's a great course to paddle especially with kids too the kids love the river section so windy and you see a ton of turtles and frogs and all sorts of things so it's and nice and so people even doing it then they're aware that they can come back and yeah i often walk on um the eighth line yeah and uh cuz it's you know the bridge is down over the river for vehicles so it's great to walk across and uh it, and people are often putting their canoes and right. kayaks in there yeah. it's just it's beautiful the race is lovely too because there's been so many volunteers over the years like that i would say has our highest sort of volunteer um sort of turnout over the years we've had volunteers that have been at the same checkpoint you know over the years we, we kind of check we keep track of people along the way so we don't lose anybody so for example in, at the seagrave bridge we have a, a checkpoint there so people wave and shout their numbers are going by and the person checks their name off the list so we know that they're accounted for um, and over the years there's been so many volunteers that have helped at different spots and we still have about 30 over 30 volunteers that will help out with the race this year too. So it's, yeah, it's fun. And is it always like the same day of? Always the first Saturday of June, uh, just because the water is high enough at that point that you can get through. The Nanquang tends to be a little weedy as does Lake Scugog. Um, so the, the river's And the beavers haven't built their dams up That's completely. Right. That's it did used thing. to be, I'm not sure of the entire history, but I think it used to start at line eight. 
but then the river, it's it's gotten more shallow over the years. So when I started, we started at line 10, but we found that it just became too weedy and people couldn't put in there anymore. So then we moved it to line 12. We had some people who did not like that because it they felt that it did not accurate, accurately reflect their time when they're comparing their times over the years that we were starting farther up. Um, but they've adjusted. <laughs> <laughs> they got over it. They got over it, yeah. They got over it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you always have to complain about something, right? <laughs> Yeah. So you're also responsible for Parks and Rec. Um, and you and I personally get to work with each other on the children's art camps and after school programs and so on. And, you know, that's kind of interesting uh, that you you do so many themed camps, uh, theater, art, and, you know, and then the typical camps that have the swimming and so on as part of it. Um, but, you know, that's just one part of your job and the rest is the sort of the museum and cultural things. So where does your heart lie? What's the museum? I, I love the museum. I mean, I, I, that's what I took at school. Um, and it's just, I, I love being there. There's a sense of things not changing on the museum site. Um, but things do the exhibits that we do and the history that we tell I'm, I'm constantly learning new things there all the time uh, Recreation the program here in Scugog has developed over the last 10 to 12 years um, The camp program is fabulous. We have amazing amazing students every year um, That help us deliver those camps and the partnerships that we've developed because of the camps I think is very very important. We carry those partnerships over to the museum as well um, in the community, you, I mean, you know, you have to have those partnerships, you have to have those connections, everybody helping each other out, um, really just helps develop everyone's programs. So, but yes, the, I like history. That's my yeah, favorite and, stuff. And you help a lot, um, you know, during culture days, which we're a big, um, culture days community, yes, yeah. um, the third weekend of September every year. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that's a huge addition to that particular event it's a great event yeah Yeah. and so what are some of the things you've done at culture Days? we generally put put together a small exhibit we've done different things over the years we try to have a hands-on component to it as well Um, we've done some basket making Uh, you know we've done just some you know easy crafts with the kids like quilling like try to keep the the historic tradition you know into the craft of what we're looking at Um, just talking to people about the museum just it's always a hard sort of conversation people a lot of people who live here don't even realize there's a museum on the island we've had so many uh, new people move in in the last five years i'm just getting that you know the recognition that yes you can drive two minutes outside of town and have this wonderful you know asset to to learn about your community so we like i like to talk about just the general history of the area and uh and the museum itself to try to attract people there Mm -hmm. and so what's next for the museum what's what's going on what's coming up well, Canoe Race is the next big, big thing. Um, and then with the recreation side, we have Canada Day, which is a first in-person event for the last couple of years too. So we're super excited about that as from the township perspective. The museum itself, um, our staff starts, our summer staff starts next week. Um, we're getting things opened up and we'll be opening to the public um, on the Wednesday after the long weekend. And throughout the entire summer season, we're open there Wednesday through Sunday from 10 a.m. till 4 p.m. So people can just stop by, they can do a tour. The tours are amazing. Our students just tell, you know, every tour is unique because every student finds different things interesting about, you know, the village and the artifacts. And I always find it interesting to walk around with the different students on their tours just to see what they focus on. I really, I, I love that part of it. And they make the tour their own. 
Um, we have that full list of events this year at the museum. Um, and then we're doing a couple different exhibits. We have a photography exhibit in partnership with the uh, Seniors Photography Club that we'll be uh, setting up in June. And then we're also doing an exhibit on a local artist, uh, cartoonist. His name is Jimmy Fries. Um, we have several of his original pieces in our collection. We're very lucky to have those. Um, so we're doing an exhibit about focusing on some of those pieces as well as telling the story of his life. He was uh, fairly, well, he's part of the Canadian Cartoon Hall of Fame um, and uh, wrote in the, or sorry, illustrated for the Toronto Star in the 30s and 40s um, and grew up in the Scugog area. And we have, uh, yeah, we have quite a collection of his artwork. So we're, we're extremely excited about that. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds really it's, interesting. It's going to yeah. be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Make a point of getting out there for that. I mean, it's such a long drive. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, exactly, we'll fit it in. Ha. <laughs> and uh, and then you've got a, a a theater company using the boys right. at two theater companies yes. using the property this summer. We're very excited to be partnering with uh, Carrie and Theater on the Ridge. Um, Carrie was successful in getting this amazing grant to install. I guess installs the right word, a very large, lovely outdoor facility tent um, with a stage. And they will be performing, the, I believe, their entire sort of summer series out yeah, there in July and it's August. A, it's it's yeah. specialized to being a scary walk in the downtown yeah. or something. They'll That's where everything yeah. will be. And, yeah, and uh, it's just, it's a great, it's a perfect partnership because it's a lovely site and we have tons of space for them. Um, the tent I thought seemed big, but then when you look at the space we have, it's just, it's, it fits in perfectly. Um, and then it's bringing a lot of people to the village who might not know that we're there. Right. And it gives them a spot to consistently, you know, show like what they've been working on over the last couple of years. And so, people that go to the museum or even, yeah, that are even aware these, theater you know, on the they wouldn't be aware that there was yeah. live theater in town. Yes. It's great. That yeah. kind of cooperation and working together is... Love it. Makes my job easy. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's, it's always great to be able to call on each other's volunteers and each other's ideas. And, you know, as as you know, it, we actually, we don't, we're not lacking for ideas. We always have lots of ideas. We always have lots of ideas. <laughs> it's just the follow through it, on the ideas. It's the money <laughs> That's to right. do the stuff That's right. that you want to do, right? That's always the thing, right? But it's, yeah. And I, it, I don't know if people always realize it's the people, you need the people to do the things. So yes. That's part of putting on the event or the program in some way is that that's where you need the funding. It's, it's, Oh, it's the staff. And that's why, you know, the museum is only open seasonally because the rest of the year, it's just myself. Um, we have an assistant curator, but her job is, is seasonal as well. So without the students there, I know Carrie is relying a lot on, the, on her students as well to do a lot of the work this summer. So without the students, we would not be able to put on the sort of the programs and events at the museum that we do. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of staffing, a lot of people. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's what you need. It's not, this isn't, some people hesitate to, you know, donate or participate in some way with some kind of a program where they, if they're afraid their money's going to go to, I don't know, paying the phone bill or, you know, <laughs> I don't know what, what the they think. <laughs> I mean, yeah, somebody has to pay the phone bill, but meanwhile, most of it is going to what is programming yes right it's yeah. the staff are doing programming that people are enjoying and participating in so yeah yeah i think we're lucky again i it's an example here in this community of scugog that 
we've got the kind of variety that we have in in our um, offering, or, you know, the arts and culture mm-hmm. community that's here. We we've got so much. We're so have. lucky. We have amazing people here, and yeah. like you said, so diverse, like right across. Yeah. And uh, I, the theater on the ridge. I mean kind of brings a different energy to the museum village as well like the creativity is just so nice to you know for them to be there and I'm really looking forward to seeing what what happens this summer for sure yeah yeah well thank you Shannon Kelly for joining us today it was great thanks very much it was really good Chi Miigwech for spending time with us today Thanks to The Wanted for their song, Before the Fall, and the Ontario Trillium Foundation for the grant that got this done. Visit skugogarts.ca to get the scoop on what we're up to. And hit subscribe to join us every Tuesday for another episode of Art Waves. Art Waves.